Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. In this episode, I chat with Rafaela Morum, affectionately known as Rafa. Rafa is a friend who I've known for the last five years. He's from Brazil and has lived in five different countries throughout his life. Rafa is an entrepreneur, a tech executive, and he's a 12 times winner of the Brazil Nationals in canoe racing. He's a world record holder and a lover of anything on or around the water. In this episode, Rafa shares his emotional journey of going from having a stroke at the age of 29 to breaking world records on the water. We talk about the dangers of making assumptions and how he views life after being on his deathbed. Super excited to have Rafael Amorum, affectionately called Rafa. Rafa is a competitive person. He's an athlete. He's a world record holder. He's very kind, very caring, and I'm proud to call him a friend. Rafa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really, really happy to be here. I'm really excited to have you here too, Rafa. I would love for people to get to know you. So we're going to build with Rafa today. Would you rather live in a tree house or would you rather live in a cave? Tree house and a cave. Well, it depends, depends how high the tree is because I'm afraid of highs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I prefer the cave because it's, it's you know, on the ground. <laughs> You're a world traveler. You've lived in a lot of different places. So if you could live in one country that you've never lived in before. So first, I guess, tell us where the countries you've lived in. And then I'd love to hear what's the country that you haven't lived in that you would go live in. Right. That's a good one. So, yeah, I've been, so because of work, I've, I've been working for technology, global companies my entire life. I spent some time, obviously, in Brazil, Mexico, uh, Singapore, China, Malaysia. Yeah, one country that I love to live, and that's actually part of my long-term plan, is uh, Tahiti. Uh, I love the, the island. I love the energy. I love the people. And I have this feeling about, you know, the Caribbean uh, weather and, and waves and, and surfing and good sailing and, and good nature and, and all the life underneath the ocean. You know, that, that's something that, that's actually my passion, to be honest. So, yeah, Tahiti would be the, my, my next stop. I had no doubt that it was going to be, whatever you chose, the country was going to be surrounded by water. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's kind of one of the rules. My wife, Maya, and I, we are, we are pretty connected to the water, birds, you know, all the animals around the ecosystem. I really like that. Yeah, you actually have a really cool story about the bird that you rescued. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have two big birds. Uh, actually, I had two big birds. One of, one of them died, passed away. So... So uh, they, they are named like my brothers. <laughs> if they listen to this podcast, well, I think one of my brothers will feel bad because <laughs> I I don't want to be the, 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 the one of the pelicans that died. But yeah, so I had two pelicans. Uh, one was uh, Fabio. The other one is Chris. They actually live in the nature. They live outside. One of them, Fabio, had a, had a fishing hook under underneath his wing. I think it was the left wing. And he was coming by the house every day, kind of opening the wing and, and waiting for fish. And when, when we saw that, I started feeding him, you know, with, I was, I was literally fishing for him every day, every, every morning, like about 7 a.m. He would fly by, stop in the house and kind of wait for fish. He, by, by, like, after like a week, he was literally coming in front of my door, almost getting in, in the house <laughs> 
uh, asking for like, hey, can you can you film me today? I'm not feeling well, you know, to go out fishing. <laughs> he couldn't fly so well. He was like all weird. And then, um, yeah, that was like a three months, four months relationship. After two weeks, we took the the fishing hook out of his wing. And then after that day, he he was all love with with us. He he let me pat him, like hug him, like literally like a dog. So that that relationship lasted for you know four months, five months total before he passed away. And then uh, we were giving him some medicine. I have like you know some friends that are work with animals, so they were kind of we were using some uh, prescription and medication to to help the the little bird. So that one went away, you know, passed it to a, a better life. And Chris, Chris is still coming around. Now he's becoming a you know, teenager. Once in a while, he shows up with, uh, with his partner. <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty interesting, man. Those, we, we have no idea. I think we underestimate very, very, very hard all the, the intelligence that these animals, you know, are, are capable of or they, they have because it's just insane from a, from race to turtles, fish, cats, dogs, and, and pelicans, we can have a real relationship. They understand what you do. They understand your feelings. They can kind of, you know, once you get connected to them, you can, you can almost read them. And uh, there is actually one more thing I want to talk about that Chris, you know, after like five, six, maybe seven months interacting almost every day, he learned how to communicate with me. And now people listen to this will think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. Uh, after like seven months, he was pointing out with his beak to the water where the fish was. So I wasn't able to see any fish underwater. And he was kind of pointing his, his head and his beak, like, you know, going up and down towards the water. I was like, what are you seeing there? I can't see anything. And he was doing this for like five days in a row, seven days in a row. I couldn't understand why. I thought he was he was going crazy. And then one day for like, okay, let me just throw the cast net there and see what, what, what there is. I, I pulled the cast net, literally like, I don't know, maybe 50 pounds of fish that I, that I couldn't see. <laughs> I was like, no, that's impossible. That's just a, just a coincidence. And then on the next day, he was doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. So he'd walk around the seawall or the dock or whatever we were and point me like where the fish was. And every single time, 100% of the time I would throw the cast net, I would bring fish. So by that time, I was, he was literally showing me, showing me where the fish was and we were fishing together. That was, that was a very nice moment. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, Rafa. I, I was lucky to receive some videos throughout this process as you were developing these relationships with these pelicans. It was just incredible, and the fact that over time they got they began to trust you. You've been you were able to start to communicate with them, and now they're pointing out how to catch fish. I mean, what more can you ask for out of a relationship? Yeah, that was that was a very nice experience. I mean, it's being too. He awesome. Like he comes around and we fish together. Yeah, it's a, becomes like a that's real really friend. special. Yeah, it is. You started talking about where you lived. You grew up in Brazil. You've lived in a lot of different places. You're in the U.S. now. Well, in a, most of the countries that you named, American football is not prevalent. <laughs> and so you came to the U.S., you got invited to a football game, and this is going to be your first American football game that you've ever been to. Yeah. Could you tell everyone what the game was that you got invited to? My boss came and said, Raf, you got to, you know, we got to travel. We, we were flying to Atlanta. Uh, this is a big thing in the U.S. We are taking some customers to the Super Bowl. Then I was like, Super Bowl, okay, what is that? No, that's an American foot, football game. Like, okay, cool. So that was me <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. First time, first foot, football American ever in my life. I had no idea how the game was. <laughs> Once I got there, I, I was like, okay, a lot of you know polite people. You know, this is not like Brazil. They're not screaming. They're not yelling. They're not. <laughs> that's a different you know game. But as the game was happening i was literally asking my clients what, <laughs> what the rules were for the game <laughs> so i was learning about the game as was you know watching the game and then a few days later i was i was mentioning to some friends hey i went to the super bowl it was like nice and everybody was like what 
did you go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, Super Bowl in America, US. Oh, that's crazy. And then I was talking to Americans and they were like, man, this is like a big deal. You have no idea what you're doing, right? Like, no. <laughs> so that was my first American football game experience, man, at the Super Bowl. Very, very lucky. And I did not deserve to be there. And then I felt bad because people would, would queue to be there, you know. And, and I was there, like, not even understand the game. And the only thing I knew was about the, the Brazilian girl, you know, like Giselle. Then he's married to like the, the famous guy Tom Tom Brady, right? That's all I knew about the game. I just knew that lady because <laughs> she was Brazilian. <laughs> Nothing else. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, a lot of jealousy on this side of the table. Again, growing up in Brazil, you've traveled a lot. I think you had, uh, from the little that I know, you had a very very interesting upbringing. So, h- how would you summarize how you were brought up and kind of what led you to where you are today? I was born in a city called Santos in in Brazil. It's a big soccer city, right? It's one of the the most like soccer cities in Brazil, literally, because of the, the local team and all that stuff. And uh, they brief soccer. And I grew up in this in the city and you know it's, it's a beach town, not not too big, but only forty five minutes to São Paulo, which is a it's a big city. It's like New York multiplied by you know several times, and I don't know maybe around something around 30, 32 million people. City, it's it's very populated. So, you know, I came from a simple family, and I started doing you know, all the this, this sports things. But basically, started working when I was when I was 14, 14 years old. You know, just to to make some extra money, be able to buy my surfboard. <laughs> and grew up in the ocean doing all these water sports and then um you know my career was was evolving pretty fast as i said started working when i was 14 literally in the street light uh, i wasn't homeless by the time thanks god I, I was lucky enough to have you know parents feeding me and giving me a very good education but i wanted to make my money i couldn't get a, like a, a real job at 14. So I went to the street and started, you know, distributing politics, you know, brochures and all this that stuff you give to people. <laughs> and then they were paying me, I don't know, five bucks a day. <laughs> that was my first official salary. And you were getting after- five bucks a day to hand out political brochures? Yes, yes. That was my first job, let's say. That was a nice experience. I could see, you know, within like half second iteration while I was handing that paper off to somebody, I could learn a lot about people, you know, you, there are a lot of different people in the street light, you know, <laughs> rich folks, simple folks, you know, fancy folks, you know, and then you, I learned that you cannot distinguish people by their cars. It doesn't matter. You, you, you might see a very cool person driving a very fancy car and you might see a very arrogant person driving the same car. <laughs> so you, you cannot judge people by your car. That, that was a lesson that I, that I made. And uh, yes, that was my first kind of work experience. And then after that, but everything was moving so fast. Uh, I was eliminating surfboards. Then I was eliminating boats. Then I was eliminating kayaks. Then I was studying you know on this high technical school learning how to develop softwares you know c plus java all those uh, programming languages then after two years i was developing my own software stuff then i was developing inventory management and all the sales management software for a for a a kayak shop that was you know from a friend of mine and and then after that i got an internship in a big company then a second internship in another big company that's you know, it's a technology company when I was only 17. So my first six months in, in the in college, I got this internship. And that that was, I think, when my life started to change or like way better life. And then uh, I remember myself getting into the building. That company was IBM. And the first time I went there, for the you know the interviews and the, the internship process, the selection process, I I I was feeling really really bad, really very intimidated by the building. You know, a lot of people, 
and now I, I was looking at everyone and thinking these guys they are like all very 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 smart and i'm not smart enough to, <laughs> to make it so i was feeling like you know like very very li little and i i did the the, the task and that was one of the worst days of my life i thought man i'm so dumb i mean that that was so hard <laughs> then i went back to my city like four hours you know between subways and trains and buses and thinking off jesus christ that was so hard when i got home i have this this i got this call from someone saying hey you did pretty good on your task can you come back tomorrow for an interview and i was like that's that a joke my task was terrible <laughs> no no you you can come up yeah for a an interview let's 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 see let's see what you can do we have a few roles here you know your profile matched well so okay so then i, I was there the next day then after three interviews i got the job and then man for like six maybe ten months i was going every day to you know that huge tall building and looking at all the smart people thinking what am i doing here you know i i'm a guy you know from a little beach town like this is like too much but you know we went through all the whole process and after like 12 years, I think I was, I was becoming something pretty close to a director. And, and then after that, I was moving, you know, company to another company, opening my own businesses and investing in some other stuff on the entrepreneurial side, and then sitting, you know, in some boards of little startups and helping and investing and then losing money, investing, making money, investing, <laughs> learning a lot about the financial market and putting some cash to work for me. And then, then that's it. Then I think you know the story. But yeah, that was how I was building my my life. And then uh, along the way, all the opportunities that were popping up, I was grabbing every single one. I never say no to anything, even if I don't like to. Just you know, to learn about it, I say yes. Let's do it. And yeah, and and because of that, I travel literally the entire planet. Lived in some places, worked. At a lot of places, uh, yeah. But now, very, very, very happy to be here in the US. This was one of my, you know, ultimate goals and like the end game for me, from a traveling perspective and you know, living in different countries. Living in Florida, loving this life, close to the the water, and with you know, you've got having, pelicans for friends. Having pelicans, I mean, you're living the life, man. Yeah. <laughs> you walked into to IBM thinking, "There's no way that I'm smart enough for this." They surprised you by bringing you back in. And even after you got brought back in, it seemed like you continued to underestimate yourself a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I was underestimating myself. When I look back today, I say, hey, anyone could do that. Anyone, literally, any person. But by the time, I was like, okay, I cannot compete against folks coming from you know all these like, fancy universities and colleges and like extremely expensive or like the public ones which in brazil are like the best and i was just you know like a, a regular folk like you know doing actually trying to pay for my own college you know through like scholarship i i had to row literally like my sport was you know canoeing is canoeing so i was rowing every single day just to pay for my college and those folks were like speaking five different languages and, and very smart with amazing grades. And I, I couldn't even go to the, I mean, get to the college on time because I had to row, I had to work, I had to do my side jobs to, you know, pay for stuff. But yeah, that was, that was a good time in my life. Now I, I see things differently, you know, for all this process, I can see that anyone literally can do anything. There is, underestimating yourself is the worst thing you can do in your life, basically. I think it's also natural. It's really natural for us as humans to underestimate our own skills, our own experiences. We're all unique. We all bring something to the table, but we always underestimate what we bring. And it leads us to, you know, be a little self-conscious to not think that we belong to kind of put others on a pedestal. I mean, you walked into those, to that big building and, you know, saw people, and thought, oh, great, you know, they've got all these great degrees, they can speak all these languages, there's no way that I can compete with them. And what's interesting is that 
for a lot of companies, you're actually more valuable than they are because you're bringing a completely different viewpoint, a completely different perspective of things. And because of that, you can be much more valuable to that company. And so for anyone out there, I mean, don't underestimate yourself. The skills you have, the experiences you have, no one else has them. No one else has the combination of skills and experience that you have. And so next time you walk into a room or an interview, have confidence. I mean, have humility, but have confidence because we all have skills. We all have things that we can bring to the table and it's, it's difficult to not underestimate ourselves, but it's important to have some confidence in what you do have. I want to share like three experiences that I've had that, that might help people understand that better. So number, number one, stop assuming things. Assumption takes us to underestimating a lot of things. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Like, and, and that applies for literally anything in your life, any, anything. We, we tend to think, to assume that we know or we understand things. We, we do, do not until we do it. So in this case, I was thinking, hey, all of these people are like raise more than me. After a few years, I was actually, no, they don't, right? But I was assuming that before. The second, second use case, right? And I had a dream. I want to live in an island really close to the water, almost like on the water. So after several years working pretty hard, you know, I was able to, to make some money. And I was talking to my wife, I want to buy a house in an island. She was like, you're crazy. That, that's like, we cannot live in an island. You know, you're going to work. You have you know, the internet, all this stuff. So yeah, but we can find one, you know, close to the shore and all this stuff. So okay, let's try. Let's see if that's what we want. So we rented a big house in the island in Brazil. For 20 days, I want to have that experience. So we took, we, we went off for vacation. We took 20 days off work. And you know what happened, Clay, on the second day? I didn't want to be in the house. <laughs> it took me only two days to realize that a 25 years dream was like, wasn't true. I was assuming that living in the island was a perfect life. And that it, 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 the reality was, was not, that it wasn't perfect. And, you know, you were in an island, you have literally nothing around you, it's uh, just silence. So you go to sleep, you know, island, Brazil, tropical weather, you have, you have anything, you have animals, you have, you have birds, you have whatever, you know, a lot of animals around you at night. So every single, every little noise would wake me up at night and I just couldn't sleep. <laughs> And then I was thinking, okay, I'm very exposed here, you know, like anyone can can get into this island, you know, and kind of, I don't know, do whatever with my family or me. And uh, I was, I, I just couldn't sleep. I, I wasn't feeling safe. I couldn't relax because I was used with, you know, my apartment and a very nice condo in Sao Paulo with gates and security and bodyguards and all that stuff. I like, okay, I have all the security on the planet. And now you're exposed in an island in the middle of nowhere. So to me, that was my dream. But the reality is I was, I was making that up in my mind because when I, when I had the experience, it was terrible. <laughs> so I was and, assuming. And, and it, took, it took 25 years for you to go take action on that dream. But you actually did it. Like you actually went and tried it. Right. Try. And I think a lot of people fall short of even that, right? They continue yeah. to dream. They continue to think this is what I assume that I want to do and then continue to work on that assumption. But you went and actually tried it out. And so it's very commendable to go do that because now, you know, it's not what you want. And you can then now go reset your dreams, your priorities and your goals. Exactly. Exactly. That's why assuming is one of the, the biggest mistakes we, we make in life. And that lead us to underestimating things or overestimating things. And then my, my, my last example, I was like, okay, I don't want to live in the house, in the islands, on the water. That's like too complicated. What about a sailboat? And then from that day, okay, now we want to live in a sailboat. We want to, and, but, but having the house experience in mind, my wife and I were like, hey, you know what? We should rent a sailboat <laughs> and see how that goes. Okay, let's do that. So we rented 
sailboat all you know across the the the, the, the Brazilian coast. And then after five days, we're like, I'm not I'm not living a sailboat. <laughs> so that was my second dream. Like, like you know, sailboats like that's my dream. I want to do it. I want to live it. No, it was terrible. It's it's very nice if you're you know in the Caribbean, in Tahiti, Brazil, whatever you are. It's beautiful. You wake up in the morning, you see the the water. You play with dolphins. You know you can go scuba diving. You eat your you know fresh fish. It's awesome. Until you have a storm at night that doesn't let you sleep. Until something breaks. Until some. So that depends on how much you want to spend your time dealing with you know broken things fixing things all the time so in my life at that moment working you know having like a a, a normal life let's say like, like let's say like that i couldn't live in the, in the sailboats that wasn't possible so my experience by that time was always okay i tried this on check let's keep this room here once the time is right i can go back to it but not now i cannot live in a sailboat so the message here is you gotta try new things, you, and you gotta stop assuming. Do not assume anything about anyone or anything. So even in your relationship, sometimes we tend to assume that oh, my girlfriend or my boyfriend is thinking this or that. No, stop assuming. You don't know. Ask. Be direct. You know, same things in the professional life. Stop assuming that guy in that position makes a lot of money and he or she is happy go ask them hey do you really like your job can we have like an open conversation here you know offline let's have a drink and i want to ask you know about your career so i can learn and, and understand where i'm going to point my career so all these things you have in life dreams relationship work all your goals make sure you have a reference you ask someone about those goals and what they have done to, to make it. And then you you will have more information to judge if that's something you really want to pursue or not. Because, you know, our brain plays a lot of trick on us. We tend to think things that they might not be true or not. So, you, you know, you got to try, you got to you gotta ask. You got to put your face in front of it and, and, and uh, stop assuming things. There was a statistic out there about, you talked about referencing happiness, you know, are you happy in what you're doing? Right. And, and referencing that to wealth or to the amount of income that someone has. And I can't remember the exact dollar figure. I think it's around 75,000 US or 80,000 US is once you hit that amount of money, that the amount of happiness that you have is basically negligible. Like the, a person who makes 80,000 versus the person that makes a million dollars a year, that the amount of happiness that they have is equal. And it's fascinating because we always think that making more money is going to make us more happy when basically all the statistics, all of the studies show that once you get to a certain point, that that's not actually true. That's another big mistake. Money doesn't mean happiness like at all. And, and I, I, I can, I can share my experience. I'm not like millionaire or billionaire, but uh, we made some money investing in, in the financial market and working hard, you know, but, the, the more you have, the, the more headache that, that money brings to you. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. I mean, sometimes you see a, a rich person that worked pretty hard to get, you know, at that position. And they say, oh, lucky guy. No, there's no lucky, right? That's hard work, number one. And then two, you think, oh, she or he you know, must be very, very happy. That depends, right? If you got to work... 15 hours a day to keep that living in the house and the car. I, mean, I don't know if that's, that's happening, you know. You could work too much to make that happen. And then, you know, all the other things in life, you know, relationship, friends, money also brings negative stuff, you know, like people, not genuine people around you because they just want to, they just want your money. So it, 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 that's a very sensitive topic. It's not easy to talk about it because uh, you know, a lot of people have you know, different perspective and opinions about it. it. It brings us back to the concept of happiness. And it seems like over the last decade, you've been really trying to search of like, where where is your happy place? Like, where are you going to live? How do you want to spend your time? And I know that you've had 
a lot of ups and downs, and I want to get into some of those. I want to kind of set some foundation. I have two questions for you. One, how would you define your purpose or your why in your life? So not only to me, but I would say to anyone, your purpose should be be the happy the happiest person you can be be the you know more comfortable you can be with being yourself that that should be your a real purpose and if that in your case is you know helping people great if that's in your case is winning things great if it doesn't matter i feel that my purpose is to help people because it's not that I'm good at it or not good at it. It's just because I love it. It's just because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel, you know, productive. It makes me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something that matters. Or, you know, it, and it, it is not about money. About, it's just helping people anywhere, any, you know, somehow. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just about making someone smile or making someone feeling better. You know, these little things kind of fulfill me. And I really like that. In the end, that's what your purpose is. is It's almost self-serving in a way because our purpose drives our fulfillment. And so whatever our whatever gives you the most fulfillment, and for you, it sounds like that's helping people. I'd also be curious, Rafa, there's a concept called a growth mindset. There's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. How would you define what a growth mindset is? First of all, you got to be positive, very positive to anything. And it might sound weird or like that I'm bragging myself, but if I tell you I have no challenge in my life, I have no problem, I'm extremely lucky, that's very genuine because I truly think I, I'm very lucky. I have no problem at all. If I tell you my things, okay, no, man, you had some bad stuff. Yeah, but guess what? Everyone, everyone goes through this process sometime in life. Every, everyone will lose somebody, will get sick, will have a challenge. And that's part of life. It depends on how you see it. You can, you can sit and cry or you can go through it. You can, you can fight against it. And all that process it makes you growing and you, you know, mature along the process. So I would say the first, First thing is you got to be positive. You you have to stop assuming things. You have to learn how to get to know yourself. Right? You need to understand who you are, what really makes you feel good, and pursue those things. Don't be fooled by TV, social media, Facebook, Instagram. All of this, like, you can manipulate in a, you know your image. Make sure you you know yourself, make sure you know what makes you happy. To get that, you need to try a lot of things. You need to make a lot of mistakes, but it's part of the process and, and you learn from that. Once you cross that bridge, you reach a point in life that is say, hey, I know myself. I know what makes me happy. And then it's way easier to pursue your things because then you have a number from your financial stuff. Then you have an, a, a date for your retirement. Then you have places to go visit, then you have things to do, whether, you know, getting to know new people, making new friends, or just practicing sports, or just helping people, or learning how to play a new instrument, or listening to music, or whatever you, you choose. Uh, you need to get to know yourself, and stop assuming things, and be positive. That's, a, that's what I call growth mindset, Clay. I want to bookmark the last part of that around getting to know yourself and then creating a plan and goals for that. So let's bookmark that. Let's talk about that soon. Being positive is a great part of a definition for a growth mindset. And that's positivity when things are going well, and that's positivity when things are not going so well. And you've had a lot of setbacks in your life, especially around health. So could you walk us through some of those setbacks and how you've responded to them I went through three, three challenges, right, around my, my healthy side. Was, uh, I had myocarditis twice. You know, when your heart gets bigger, that's pretty dangerous. I spent, I don't know, two weeks in the ICU. 
but the big one was uh, when I was maybe 29, 30 years old, I had a stroke, ischemic stroke. So my left side, I was playing ping pong and then my left side was, was paralyzing. I couldn't move my body. I fell on the ground. I was feeling heavy. My face was kind of coming down. I don't need to explain how a stroke is, right? I think people know that. But yeah, I had a stroke. I went to the hospital, 29 years old, yeah. Most people envision strokes happening at 50, 60, 70 years old. No, 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 no. This happened to you at 29. Yeah, pretty young, 29 years old. Mainly caused it because of, you know, stress. And and that's the price you you pay when you say, yeah, money is everything. No, man, money is not everything. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I was playing ping pong. I had a... I had all this feeling. I fell, fell on the ground. And then they took me to the hospital. After 15 minutes in the hospital, I couldn't move my body. My left side was getting fully, fully paralyzed. That day I had, you know, the feeling. So, hey, I think that's it, man. I'm pretty young to die, but I think that's it. <laughs> it's done, right? Then my wife was crying. I had some friends you know, around me. I have a, one of my best friends was with me in the hospital. I looked at his face. He was pretty scared about not kind of seeing me in that condition. And then I, I grabbed the doctor's arm, asked it to everybody leave the room. I looked at his face and I was, I was asking, tell me the truth, please. No filter. I need to know the truth. How, how bad am I? What's, what's it going to look like? And then I never forget that, that picture. He was, he was, I could see tears, you know, coming down his, his eyes, from his eyes. And then he said, son, you, you will probably move your head only. That's the best case. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> so the, the doctor said, yeah, you're going to move your eyes only. But we'll do our best. So they came up with this new drug, say, hey, you can try this, you know, like a pile of paper to sign, like a huge paperwork. You're going to sign all this paperwork. I couldn't move my hand. I couldn't, I couldn't. So my wife grabbed my hand and she was, she was signing the paperwork. And then and, uh, they took me to the, to the surgery room. And on the way, I don't know, I don't know why, on the way I was, I was getting, getting back. I couldn't move my legs and kind of not move, but, you know, my toes were kind of starting to move again. So one of the doctors said, hey, do you want to proceed with this surgery? It's, it's something, you know, really tough. You have a, you have a, a blood clot on your brain. Not your brain, kind of real close to your brain. And that, that's very risky. You may not come back. And, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, I have no, no choice. Let's do it. And then another doctor came and he, he could see my, my legs kind of coming back. So, hey, let's, let's just wait a little bit. Let's cancel the surgery and see what, what I, how, how, he, how he reacts to the, to the medicine. You know, let's give him some time. So I went back to the room, talked to my wife. You know, that was like a very tough situation. You know, it, it was clear that. Number one, I would die. Or number two, I would just move my eyes. And then I was... <laughs> the funny thing, if there's any funny thing in this story, I was preparing my mind, kind of seeing myself sailing in a, in a wheelchair or paddling in a like, special kayak. I was kind of adapting my brain already to accept that fact. You know, that's fine in life. Life is, you know, it's like this. Let's let's go through it. And I was kind of already accepting the fact really quick. Okay, so how am I going to live my life from now? It's going to be like this and that. So I was kind of visualizing, you know, things in the future. And I was I was getting okay to be honest. I was I was I was yeah. That's not going to be too bad. People live like that, right? That's not the end of life. So again, being being positive, even in that. In that situation so ended up i'm gonna summarize this ended up recovering way faster than everyone thought and then they 
I remember the the nurse coming with the they have like different sock colors in the hospital. If you're like a high risk patients, they give you like a red sock, something like that. And I was I was making joke with everyone. I was like, what is this red sock? You go, oh, it's because you're you know a risky patient. We gotta wear this. Okay, so what what is what is the best color? <laughs> then she goes, yeah, the blue is the best one. The blue is the one you want to use it because that that means like you're fine. You will not you know, fall. And then I told her, hey, I've got the fucking blue sock in two weeks. You see it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was, you know, funny thing, but yeah, man, two weeks and a half, I was, I was wearing the blue sock. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it was, was a tough, tough time. I couldn't, I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't move myself. I lost all my reflexes. And then, uh, yeah, six months kind of recovering, and I couldn't drive, I couldn't do my stuff. But lucky for you know having a wife that helped me through the process. And uh, yeah, exactly twelve months later, after three doctors telling me, just don't don't do anything crazy, just just live your regular life, you know, have kids, you know, be happy. And I was like, okay, man, thank you for your advice. I'm not going to do that shit, to be honest. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. That was an extremely coincidence. I was not planning for that day, but exactly 12 months later, the same day, 12, 12 months later, I was sailing 12 hours nonstop in a single uh, dinghy and breaking the greatest distance, sailed within 12 hours, nonstop. And I was, fuck everyone. <laughs> I was like, fuck stroke. <laughs> fuck off everyone who was telling me not to do this or not to do that. And, uh, and after that time, I was like, okay, I can't do anything. Because every single person, was, they were telling me not to do this, not to do that. You're going to die. You're going to live like this or live like that. And it ended up nothing of that happening. Nothing. Exactly nothing. Because I never trust them. I never... No, I never trusted. I, I didn't want to trust. That, that's the truth. I didn't want to buy that truth. I was like, I'm going to make my own truth, you know. That that may sound bullshit, you know, like a motivation speech. But it's not. It, it really works. It really, really works. Our body is something amazing. And the brain controls the whole thing. And if you can control your brain, you can control your body. That, that was a, my big learning. And then after that, two years and a half later, I'm here talking to you and preparing myself to the World Championship next year of canoeing. And my time is are now like top five in the world, you know, the 200 meters sprint and 500 meters sprint. I'm, I'm doing well for, you know, what happened to me. And I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to win, but I'm, I'm going to give a lot of work for the, you know, the young guys. <laughs> Rafa, thank you for sharing that story. It's incredible. You had a stroke at 29. You were very active and were basically on your deathbed, surrounded by loved ones. And they were telling you, you may not survive. Even if you do, you're only going to have movements of your head or your eyes. And 12 months later, you go and break a record out in open water by yourself that's incredible yeah i appreciate that buddy yeah what was the record that was the the greatest distance sailed within 12 hours non-stop in, a, in the dinghy how far did you go that was like about 100 miles you know you gotta go back and forth back and forth back and forth to break the record you you cannot go from point a to point b uh, because that's that's like a small boat a small sailboat so you know, they, they have all these rules to, to break records, you know, that's like a Guinness World thing. So, but, but I have, I have some other stuff, you know, in the oven that I've been working on. Uh, I want to do the world championship next year, just, you know, getting back to competitive canoeing makes me fit, right? Makes me healthy. I want to break the record of, you know, uh, the Atlantic crossing, rowing. So I want to row across the Atlantic. I want to row across the 
the Pacific. And I want to I want to smash those times. I want to do like in 22 days, which is something a little bit crazy, but not impossible. Uh, 22 days to go across the Atlantic? Yeah, yeah. Rowing. And that goes from what point to what point? From Europe to to the Caribbean, basically. Wow. Yeah, let's see how that goes. I've been training hard every day, twice a day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Last, curious, what what are your training habits now? Uh, perfect nutrition. Trying to sleep every day at the same time, you know, have a good night of sleeping. At the gym literally every day. Paddling five times a day. Uh, and combining this, you know, with work. So while I'm working, my body is, is resting. When I, when I finish my work, I can go, you know, do my workout, you know, at the gym or, or my rowing session on the water. The nutrition piece of that is really interesting. What have you changed? So as part of the getting to know yourself, you also get to know your body. You need to, to go through that process. We are, you know, unique. Something that may apply to me doesn't apply to you. So I went through that process of testing several different diets in my life, from keto to vegan to meat lover only to you know no carbs, full carbs. So my my diet today is a mix of everything, a lot of vegetables, a lot of berries. Berries are like amazing fruits. Some carbs before the the training session and after session. It, it's it's a pretty well balanced because I I. I burn like 4,000, maybe 5,000 calories a day. So I need to have carbs. It's a combination, right? There's all these different diets that are very specific that you can only have these three things or you can't have these 10 things. And it seems like you've found a balance around you know, kind of combining a lot of these different types of diets and types of things. And moderation is can be a really great thing. And it seems like you've found that moderation between a variety of these diets. But going back to your assumptions and trying things. I mean, you wouldn't try these diets to see how your body reacted. Yeah. How you trained, you know, did you have the energy to train? Did you have the energy to do your work? I've tried all of them. Fully proteins, keto, vegan meat, everything you can imagine. I was, I was trying. Then I found that as anything in life, the, the good balancing is the secret, right? So now I have a little bit of everything, protein, carbs, a lot of veg, a lot of berries, a lot of fruits, a lot of water. And, and if you work really hard, you can give yourself a pizza. That's that's fine. It's not going to kill you. you know? <laughs> but if you're not working out, you know, that kind of food will kind of become fat and you don't want that. So it all depends on how hard you're working out, how many times a day you're training. And then, you know, you can build your own stuff. But going to a professional, you know, that really understand about nutrition, is the best thing. And I would say just ask them to get to know your body. Do you have access to several tasks that kind of shows how your body reacts to some certain types of foods? And that, that's when you should, that's how, in my opinion, you should build your diet. You know, knowing your body first, then you build your, your diet later. And then, you know, you get the, the, the most of, of what your body can, can do for you, you know. So it's all about maximizing your power. And getting to know your body to know how much energy you need. And that, and that energy will come from your you know, nutrition. It's, it's simple like that. You made a joke about the pizza. I think that's so important is to reward ourselves. Because there's things in our life that taste really great. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. That we, you know, if we're on this these big diets, that we almost, that we just turn ourselves away from this stuff. And sure, you want to turn away from it you know, for every meal, you don't want to have a pizza with every meal or eat a big brownie or a bowl of ice cream after every meal. If you're trying to gain energy and, and be on a diet, but I think it's really important to have moderation with the stuff that tastes really good and the stuff that's maybe not as healthy, because if we stray too far from where we were, it's not going to be sustainable. So we got to reward ourselves, especially for someone like you, who's getting 4,000, 5,000 calories of active calories every day and burning that, I mean, go reward yourself every once in a while, you know, have that big stack of pancakes, have that, that dessert that you love or that drink that you love because it's, you know, it's one life and 
if you're doing all the right things 98% of the time when you're eating, I mean, my vote would be reward yourself occasionally. I think the the secret here is balancing. You don't you don't need to be so crazy about not not getting any fat on your body because actually you need some fat. There is you know good fat to to absorb. You must have that. So it's all about combination. I said that we were going to bookmark back to your growth mindset. We talked about the positive to anything. You've had a number of setbacks in your life and the reaction to those setbacks is incredible. There's so many people that would have just given up at the point that you were at. So I'm just extremely proud. And I hope that you are very proud of how you reacted to the major setbacks that you've had. You also talked about getting to know yourself and what makes you happy. And you figured out what makes you happy. You've had a lot of trial and error, but you figured out what makes you happy. And maybe outside of having a friend who is a pelican, <laughs> what also <laughs> makes you happy is being on the water. And knowing what makes you happy and then planning for how do you go be as happy as you can be day after day is you got to have these goals to work towards your goals so that you can have, it seemed like you were getting into the financial freedom part of this so that you can go and, you know, kind of be in your happy place, live, live your purpose. I'd love for you to walk us through where you are on that journey. I I think I finally found myself in terms of really understanding what makes me happy. So I don't need to pursue more like I want to try this and that. Of course, I want to do like new things every day because I love it. And I think it, it makes, you know, it's good for your brain trying new things all the time so you can learn. But I kind of know already what makes me happy. I've, I've done so many things in my life already. It's kind of task, you know, going through that process of not assuming things and trying, 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 trying. Now I have the map in my mind of what I like to do, what I don't like to do, what I want to live, what I, what, what I don't, do not want to live. The type of first people, you know, I want to have you know, around myself and things that I want to do, what I want to avoid, what I really need close to me, what I really need to live a good life in a comfortable way. You know, do I need a, like a fancy car, a sports car? Not, I need it. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> you know? uh, I like boats. I prefer have having like 12 pedal boards instead, instead of a nice car. But it, there is no right and wrong. It's just, you know, me. It, 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 I, I like it. Fast cars before I had it. But now I'm, I'm more like, you know, I want to have my, my kayaks and, and pedal boards or sailboats. And there was one exercise that I've done. Clay, I want to I wanna share with people here uh, that helped me a lot. When I, when I had this, this hard time, going through you know the, the the recovery process from my stroke my wife was really down we were going to bed and she would she would think like i don't know if he will wake up because all doctors were saying you have a a huge blood clot that you know blocks oxygen going to your brain you know if it happens again you have like a aneurysm and, and that's like done you you have no no choice, right? If that happens, you die like instantaneously. And that could happen anytime. So we were living a life from a, you know, for some months that we did not know if I, if I was going to be there in you know, the next day, literally like that. So, which by the way, a lot of people go through that process. I'm not, I, I don't feel special saying that. I feel just like a person. But every, a lot of people go through that process and and I can tell you, all of them can make it. It's, it. It depends on a lot of things, but that's not like, it doesn't mean I'm special or not. It just means I, I was one person and that's it. And then through that process, I, I, I was looking at my wife. She was, she was pretty sad like every day. And that, that thing was consuming myself internally. So I, I said, hey, you know what? We cannot live like this. We gotta, we gotta move, right? We gotta, we gotta. We're gonna find a way to, you know, live live the price and live live today, live the minutes. So we came up with a game, which is literally let's write down or put in a, in a whiteboard things we like to do. Anything. So in our list we had watching a movie, watching the, the sunset, watching the sunrise, paddling, anything, surfing, cycling walking anything we like to do let's just put it down 
And then also let's write down things we don't like to do. So driving a lot, you know, like going to the airport, <laughs> things that I like to do, we were putting out. Okay, now let's, let's score each of these activities. So sunrise, hey, sunrise, you gotta wake up early, you know, to see the, the sun rising. So uh, that, that should be like a score number, I don't know, eight. Sunset, sunset's cool, but you know, it's easier than sunrise. You don't have to wake up early, so let's give like a five. Uh, paddling, that's that's number 10. Uh, scuba diving, 10. Uh, surfing, 10. Uh, Paddleboarding, uh, 9. Uh, watching a movie, 7. Driving 5 hours a day, that's minus 5. <laughs> Working 18 hours a day, that's minus 20. <laughs> so we were building this score, and the game was really simple. Every single day, we need to hit 20 points. If you don't hit 20 points, that means you had a terrible day <laughs> or that day sucked or we are not doing our best to, to be happy, right? Or to enjoy that day. But you got to score your things in a way that, okay, if you do that thing, if you really hit 20 points, you can look at yourself and, and say, that was a, a badass day. That was a nice day. I love that day. So you want to be able to say that. So. Here we are, like, playing this that game. <laughs> I was counting on my cell phone and a piece of paper, whatever I could, take notes. And every day we were doing something. Walking, paddling, swimming, going to the gym, watching a movie, talking, calling family, you know. Whatever thing we had scored there, it, it sounds very stupid, but that mental knowledge helped us go through, like, a you know, tough process. And, and I recommend everyone to do play. It's something, you know, uh, very simple methodology that puts you on, on track on doing things that will make you happy by the end of the day. And that's it. And then you can adjust along the, the way. You know, it's not like Facebook or uh, Siri telling you, hey, you're not happy today. You, you didn't go to the movie. <laughs> you know, that's like you telling yourself if you're happy or not based on your score, based, based on your own list of things to do, you know. What's really interesting about it, Rafa, is that the things that you like to do, the things that have positive points, allow you to be in the present moment. Yeah. It allows you to build habits to be in the present moment. And then the things that you don't like, that gets to elimination, this concept of elimination, because we're surrounded by so many options in our life, so many things that we can do, that we have the opportunity to do. But just because we have the opportunity to do them, or we're asked to do them, or we think we should do them, doesn't mean we have to do them. Because when we go do something, there's an opportunity cost, because it's taking away our time and our attention from doing something that we actually like to do. Now, there are many things in our life that we you know, are obligated to do because maybe like a job, we're paid to do our job. And even though that may not be a high point uh, part of our day, you know, we do have obligation. But there are many things in our life that we would not give a high score in this game that you referenced that we still do all the time. It's because we, we just have a hard time as humans to eliminate things. But the act of eliminating things is incredible because it just makes more room for those higher value items in our life, the things that you're going to get more points at. So I just love this, this, this game because not only are you building great habits of the things you're going to do throughout the day to make you and whoever you're around find your happiness and be present, but you're also eliminating things that you don't really need to be in your life or don't need to be in your life as frequently. Yes, I, I agree, Clay. I agree. And, and again, in, in my very personal case, I, I was putting down, I do not want to work 18 hours a day because I don't know if I have the time, you know. So in my score, 18 hours working a day would be like minus something. I don't remember the score exactly, but it would be, it would be like, I don't know, minus five. But working eight hours a day would be like two points. Because I have to, <laughs> as you said very well. So I, I got to score that thing because that's like mandatory at <laughs> my you know, point of life. But uh, yeah, I think one thing Clay, that I could take out of this exercise is 
as you write down things you like to do and things you don't like to do and you score them, you get to know yourself. And that's a part of, you know, stop assuming, building your goals, knowing how you're going to get there. You need to get to know yourself. You need to know who you actually are. And this process helps a lot to understand who we are. You have to be really truthful about what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, you got to be very truthful. Yeah, yeah. You cannot, you cannot pull yourself. You got you to be honest as you, as you build your score, as you build your list. And what's really neat is that when you build your list, like you said, you get to know yourself and then you get to start to plan. How do I plan my day or plan my week? Exactly. To ensure that I'm making time for the stuff that is most important to me. And even if you don't have the time today, maybe, maybe today for you, it's, you know, canoeing today. Canoeing is the most important thing I can do, but because of all these other things I have in my life, I don't, I can't do this every day right now, but maybe if I start changing how I approach my days, how I approach my life, maybe start eliminating some things so that I can make room for this, maybe in a month, I can now do this every day. Exactly. And I think that's, that's such a powerful exercise. I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That, that's something that happened to me a lot, a lot. A lot. My wife and I, we were, we would have calls during the day, like, you know, like texting or like 30 seconds call and say, Hey, what have you done today? Oh, this is what I, this is what I did. Okay. What about you? This is what I did. Okay. So we, we are 17 points to go, man. We got to do something tonight, you know, <laughs> and then we would plan for something and do something. And then, and then I, I, I do, if, if we look from that, like a week perspective, we'd have exactly the same as you said. Okay. I couldn't paddle two days this week. I got to compensate on the weekend. So let's go for a long paddle. And then here we were like paddling two hours instead of paddling 15 minutes just to compensate. You know, like that's much more like a psychological thing. We were not compensating anything <laughs> in reality, but in our minds, you know, in our brain, the way how we are playing things in our brain, it worked. And that's all that matters. It's, it's about controlling your brain. It's about driving your emotions and this type of simple exercise help us with planning help us with understanding help us with you know knowing what we're going to do what we need to do what we like to do uh, yeah that's that's pretty helpful for someone like you you have your wife and you are you two were able to share this and so you were able to share the almost probably open up maybe more than you had before. I'm, I may be projecting a little bit here, but it allowed for a, probably a, a lot more open communication about truly what you want, what you enjoy in life. And it, it probably brings a lot of healthy communication between you and your partner. That's also very true, buddy. Yes, correct. I'm guessing here, I'm making assumptions. I probably shouldn't make assumptions like we've talked about, but I want you to validate this. You started doing this, you did your points, you guys openly communicated about it, and you probably don't have to do it as much, if at all, anymore, because you've, you've developed all the habits, you understand one another now, and now this stuff just happens because you've developed the habits, you, you, you do the high point stuff, and you've eliminated some of the low point stuff, and you almost don't even have to talk about it anymore because it's now just a natural part of the two of yours life. Exactly. Yeah, that became something natural and we don't even need to ask. I don't ask my wife what she wants to do. I know what she wants to do <laughs> and, and you know, vice versa. Sometimes she goes like, hey, you got to do this. Are you not going to be able to do it today? Uh, do you need some help? You know, it's, it's proactive. You know, I, 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 and I actually push her and she pushed me if... If you're not doing what we like, so that's that's very correct, Clay. That became something natural in our lives today. So it, it's habits. We we just do it. It's phenomenal. I am just so thankful for you coming on here and sharing your stories, sharing your struggles, sharing what's happened to you in your life. I have no doubt that people are going to leave inspired after hearing a lot of these stories. No, I I really appreciate Clay. What do you? 
you know, you're doing is really, really amazing. My, uh, let's say my, my takeaway would be, guys, stop assuming things. Don't be negative. Don't think that we cannot do anything. We can't do anything. If, even if someone says like you're not ready for this you can do you cannot do that or this yeah we might not be ready but guess what we you just make yourself ready right you just get ready <laughs> you just prepare yourself uh, and there is no no such thing in life that kind of overcomes the uh, a gift let's let, let's say clay is a gifted guy he's extremely extremely smart it, it doesn't matter from a competitive standpoint if i work pretty hard i can be as smart as clay is not being gifted you know not being so it doesn't matter where you came from which college you you went how much money you have if you're rich or not it doesn't matter it's all about how hard you want to do something and that will kind of describe your limits that will set how far you can go with anything relationship sports life, work, health, exercising, anything. It's beautiful, Rafa. Thank you again for being here today. We built with Rafa and just really, really proud of where you are in your life. And you've certainly inspired others today, Rafa. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. For more content, you can find Build with Clay on Instagram at Build with Clay. And head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.